you want to turn in your Bibles this morning to the book of John, chapter 6. John, chapter 6. We're going to read just a few verses, and then we'll, we'll back up and, and look at some scriptures this morning. Here in the story of John, chapter 6, the story is written in all four of the Gospels. If you put it together, we find out that John the Baptist has just been beheaded. The disciples have taken his body and buried it, and they've come to Jesus, and now... They've gone into this place across the Sea of Galilee, and they've gone up into a mountain desert place. But the Bible's here. The Bible says, John chapter 6, beginning in verse number 1. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. A great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did, on them that were diseased. Jesus went up into a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. And the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. When Jesus lifted up his eyes and saw the great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, When shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that everyone may take a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes. What are they among so many? Jesus said, Make the men sit down. There was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples, the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. When they were filled, he said unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which remained over and above them that had eaten. I want to bring a message this morning and just bring what you have. Oh God. Thank you for your sweet spirit, God. Thank you for your sweet presence. God, I pray for an anointing of your sweet Holy Spirit, God, that you might speak to me. And God, I have no doubt that there's some people in this place today that you've given us things to do. You've called us to different levels. You've given us a work to do. You've given us blessings to share. There's not a doubt in my mind that, that in this building, as well as live stream and, and video, that there's people with broken hearts and broken homes and broken lives and broken marriages and, and children out like prodigals running, God, there's... There's loss of loved ones, there's sickness, there's illness, there's, there's COVID, there's, there's apprehension of what's going on in our country. God, there, there's so much going on. But God, I know that you're the one that holds all things in your hand. And God, I don't know what tomorrow holds, I just know who holds tomorrow. I pray, God, will your sweet Holy Spirit move in this place. I ask you, Father, to teach me first that you might teach through me what you teach to me. God, I pray you'd forgive us where we failed you, cleanse us of anything that would hinder your Holy Spirit from moving in this place on this day. God, if there be one in this place that doesn't know Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, may today be the day that all things pass away, and behold, all things become new. May you add to the kingdom on this day, God. We love you, we thank you, we trust you, we praise you with all that we have. Father, you've been good to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Everybody in here, I know you've all heard this before, but before I get into the text, it's important that, that I go over this just in the event. <clears throat> one, of, one of the things that probably a little different on Sunday morning, I remember not long after being a pastor, I, I used to preaching revivals and stuff. Everybody just kind of preached, and you always say, you know the story, but I remember after becoming a pastor on a Sunday morning, somebody told me one time, they come up and said, I wish you'd quit saying you know the story, because a lot of times I don't. So you have to spend a little more time sometimes explaining the story because I want to make sure that everybody understands where we are and everybody understands what the Holy Spirit is doing in here this morning and what it is that he's looking to teach. I, of course, I'm sure everybody knows that the first four books of the New Testament are the four Gospels. It is the Gospels of the life of the Lord Jesus Christ written by four of the apostles. If, if four of us were to head out and go to Atlanta tomorrow, and we went in individual cars, single file, one behind the other. We all left here together. We drove up together. We went up to Atlanta to hear someone speak. We're going to go listen to a speaker. And then we all come back together. We would all go the same place at the same time. We would all have the opportunity to see the same things. There'd be a sunrise in the morning that we could see the sunrise. There would be traffic going in the opposite direction that we could all see the traffic. We could see the cars that pass us or... Honestly, probably the cars that we pass, but we won't get off into that either. You, you'd be able to see all, all of the traffic, all the things that's there. So we'd all see the same things. We'd all see something different. See, for example, somebody like myself that just really loves wildlife and outdoors might notice a hawk sitting in the median that has flown down and caught his prey, sitting up there all bold because he's got his breakfast and he's proud. And, and he was there for everybody to see, but everybody didn't see him. Somebody may have noticed the car broken down over on the other side of the interstate because maybe they had one that was the same color or same body style or make and they saw it over there and they saw the little sticker on the window where the state had tagged it and said you have so many days to, to get it off the right of way. It was over there for all of us to see, but everybody didn't see it. But then about the time you get up around 285, you know how that works out. Somebody has a wreck right in front of us. Everybody saw the wreck. We all stopped, we got out, we, we checked on everybody to make sure they're okay, and when it was all said and done, we got back in our cars, we went to Atlanta, we come back home, and then we all went home, but when we got home, we were all asked to sit down and, and write a, a dialogue, write a, a story of our day, write the things that we saw, write, write a program, if you will, of everything that we saw and everything that we heard, everything that, that we did. Now... Some people would write about the hawk because they saw it, but others wouldn't. Some people would write about the broken down car, but others wouldn't. But everybody would write about the wreck, amen? I mean, it's why you watch NASCAR to see the big one. It's all about the wreck. But four people in four single file cars that saw the same wreck, each one saw it, but each one had a little different perspective. So if you were to read the four accounts of the same wreck, you might think they're talking about four completely different wrecks. Although everybody saw the same one. Well, that, that's kind of what we have here in the four gospel accounts. We have the stories in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. We have stories that, that John doesn't even mention. 
But John gives us miracles and things that Jesus did that aren't mentioned in, in the other Gospels. For example, Jesus spent some months in Jerusalem, and he did a lot of miracles that you see in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John doesn't even mention them. But if you want to know about the, the lame man, and you want to know about the conversation and things that happened at the pool of Bethesda, then you've got to read the book of John to get that one. So the only way to really get an accurate account is to take all of them and put it together. If you wanted to know about our day in Atlanta and you wanted to know what we saw and what we heard, you'd have to take all four accounts. You'd have to read them and study them and put everything together to find out what happened, how it happened, even the things that we heard. Even though we listened to the same person speak, we all heard different things. So you've got to take all four accounts and, and put them together to, to get the story. So Matthew, Mark. Luke and John, they all four tell us about this time when Jesus had gone out to a wilderness place. All four accounts tells us that there are 5,000 men. So if you read all four accounts, you see that there's 5,000 men, and you would take that as there were 5,000 total people if it were not for Matthew. Because Matthew added in a part that said, plus women and children. So now we know it's just 5,000 men. Now it's a great multitude. If, if we maybe throw in one wife for each at another 5,000 and we throw in two children for each, we could be at 20,000 people. We don't really know how many we're at. 5,000 is the base minimum. That's how many men that's there. All four accounts tell us that Jesus had the disciples sit the men down in groups and hand it out. All the accounts tell us that Jesus blessed the food. He, he prayed over it, asked the Father to bless it before they handed it out. Mark explains to us how Jesus went by a ship, but when the people, because they'd seen the miracle, saw him go by ship, how they went around to the shore to get to where Jesus was. It's Mark that tells us that Jesus saw them, and he was moved with compassion on them, and he saw them as sheep having no shepherd, and they were wandering about. And, and Jesus began to teach the multitudes. It says that he taught them many things when we get to the gospel of john john says that jesus asked philip when shall we buy bread that these may eat he said this to prove him for he himself knew what he would do see if we read a little bit more into the gospels then we'll find out why he asked philip philip's from here that's the region where philip grew up if there's anybody there that knows where the Walmart Supercenter is at, it's going to be Philip. If there's anybody here that knows where we can buy enough bread, if there's anybody here, it's going to be the one that grew up, knows all the dirt roads, all the back streets. If there's any way out of this other than a miracle of a sovereign God, Philip would be the one to know. So that's why he asked Philip, where can we get it? Philip says, there's, there's not enough money. You put all the Gospels together, there's no place. There's nowhere to go. Bottom line, we're in the wilderness. There, there is nothing else out here. We look at Mark's account. Well, all, all three accounts, Jesus told them in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. All three of those accounts, Jesus told the disciples, Are you all ready? You give them something to eat. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all record that Jesus told them you give them something to eat you know what that tells me if any one of them had done what jesus did jesus would have done the same miracle through them the only thing that held them back was lack of faith they saw it through man's eyes 
They saw it as human impossibility. Anybody ever been in a situation maybe lately where you saw human impossibility? Where you saw no way out, you had nothing out? So they looked through man's eyes. They said, there's absolutely no way. But, but Matthew 14, 17 says, they say unto him, we have here but five loaves and two fishes. So if you read just that, then you would think that it's the disciples who has brought the five loaves and the two fishes. If you read just the one picture. Now, if you look at Mark's account, he saith unto them, How many loaves have ye? Go and see. When they knew, they say, five and two fishes. So Jesus, that, that tells us the disciples didn't have it. Jesus said, go out among the people, round up what you can find, and come back. Tell me how many loaves you've got. So, so we see that they went looking for it. But when we get to John, John tells us, where the five loaves and the two small fishes come from. Chapter 6, verse 8, one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There is a lad here which hath but five barley loaves and two small fishes. But what are they among so many? It's important right here that you notice, this isn't one of the great apostles of the Old Testament that shows up with a meal for everybody. This isn't even one of the great miracles like God did for the children of Israel where he made manna fall on the ground every morning like dew so that everybody had something to eat. This isn't one of those miracles where God just did something out of nothing. It's not even the disciples that, that are there with the twelve, the apostles, the one who walked with Christ. It's not even them. It's just a small boy. A small boy that's mentioned one time in all of the Bible and his name's not even given. Yet in this story about this one little lad is one of the greatest pictures of self-sacrifice that we're going to read in all the Bible. Don't ever think that God can't use you. David was a ruddy little boy. Saul the anointed. Saw him as nothing. Don't ever, don't ever think that your situation is so that God can't use you. Don't ever think that you're too small or you're too insignificant or you're, you're too unimportant or you don't have enough money or, or you don't have enough status and status quo. Don't ever think that God can't use you to do something great. God, God took this one little lad right here who all he did was he brought what he had and God used him. So here's our situation. 5,000 men plus women and children. All of them are tired. All of them are weary. We see it in the text. All of them are hungry, but only one of them brought lunch. Everybody's hungry, but only one of them's got their sack lunch. Only one of them came prepared. He's had to carry his lunch around all day. He's had to keep up with it. He's had to tote it. Nobody else had to. He's had, he's had to keep up with where it was at. It, it's been his burden to share. Why, 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 would, we, why would we want to share it? In my way of thinking, I clearly don't have enough for everybody. And if y'all were taught like me, well, if you don't have enough for everybody, just don't get it out. So in my little deal, I'm thinking, I ain't got enough for everybody, but I slide me out a little bite every once in a while. I'll just keep this thing stashed, but I got my lunch. I, I, got, all, I got all I need. See, it's important, too, that you understand. I've taught this before. Some of you may have missed it, but, but these five loaves, this ain't big old loaves of bread. He ain't been carrying them around on his back. This ain't even five loaves of sunbeam, sun, sun, sun or sunbeam, either one. 
chopped up into slices. This, this is like five little biscuits. The word loaves here comes from the Greek word. It simply means something that's risen, something to rise. Like when you put biscuits in, they rise. So basically, anybody know what a little angel biscuits are? Y'all may not have lunch now. I'll bet you bring it next week. That joke going to keep talking about food. That's two weeks in a row he done brought up food. He's got like five of them little angel biscuits. And he's got two little small fish. But he's willing to bring what he had and put it in the hands of Jesus. And trust Jesus to take care not only of him, but of all them. See, Jesus has so much that he wants to give us. If he could just get us to understand what we're supposed to do with what we get. Everything that God gives us is not for us. Not even every trial, every trouble. Some things is for somebody else. Some things is for you to grow, to help somebody down the road. If we could just understand how God can use us. Now, this message isn't about tithing. If I mention the word tithe of money, everybody says, there you go again. Well, y'all know I ain't preached on tithing about three times in seven years, so you can't throw that one. I've given you enough information on what it is, but this isn't about tithing, but, but, but it's, a, it's a good example. Many Christians pay their bills. <laughs> but we bought so much stuff that our income debt ratio is way out of balance. So, so we, we sit down to, to pay bills, and we sit down with our five little loaves and our two little fishes, but what's that among so many, right? We, we, we don't get through paying bills. We just stop because we run out of money. The, the bills are, are still there. We, we only paid the interest on the credit card so we could keep the lights on for another month. So the credit card continues to, to climb. Surely, surely, God, you don't expect me to tithe now. God, you saw me sit down and pay these bills. You know what I've got. You know what I paid. You see what's left. Surely, surely you don't expect me to pay my tithes now. You're right. He don't. You're supposed to have done that first. You're out of money now because you started in the wrong direction. God doesn't expect. See, God didn't want this little lad to take his little sack lunch and hide it in here, sneak him a bite out every once in a while, and if he's got a biscuit, maybe a biscuit and a half left over, share his leftovers. God don't want your leftovers. He doesn't need your leftovers. God needs you. What, what God said is, I want the first fruits out of the field. Don't harvest and gather all the crop, and then whatever blooms late. Anybody ever been by the cotton fields in South Georgia after they've been harvested? You go by about three weeks later, it looks like they ain't been harvested. There's cotton everywhere. Those are leftovers. God said, don't go back and pick what's left behind and bring that to me. I want the first fruits off the vine. I want the best you got. Don't bring your, your broken down and your, and your spotted lambs and the ones that are deformed and the ones that aren't worth any money won't do any good. You bring me the first, you lamb of the flock. God's not looking for our leftovers. God's looking for us to take what he gives to us and bring him the first fruits that he might use it. So the tithe is to be the first check. But, but here's, here's what we do as people. God gives us five loaves and our two little fishes, and then he shows us somebody that has a need. 
And he lays it on our heart that we're to give that to them. <laughs> now we have to decide, what am I going to do now? And this is all I got. I got my five loaves. I got my two fishes. God, if you would just give me a truckload of bread and a ship full of fish, then I'll be glad to help these people. Give me something so I can fill my freezers and store some stuff up and put some things up for my family, and, and then, then I'll be glad to. That's like saying, God, if you just let me win the Powerball, you know, the one you ain't supposed to be playing anyway. If you just let me win that $100 million Powerball, I promise you I'm going to tithe on that. You just lied to God, and God knows it. If we ain't giving him 10 bucks off the 100 he's already gave us, you ain't writing a check for $10 million. I don't care how much he gives you. I'll go ahead and tell you that now. And God knows it when we breathe it, so why would he even give it to us? Something important for us to see before we go any further about my little sack lunch. The five loaves and the two fishes, that's not your meal. That's your opportunity. <laughs> God's looking to do something in you. More importantly, God's looking to do something through you. That people might see Christ in you. That's not your meal. That's, that's an opportunity. I, I want us to understand that, that God does not need the five loaves or the two fishes. He proved that. I just mentioned it a minute ago. He proved that with the manna on the ground every morning. That didn't come from five loaves. It came from nothing. Every morning they got up, the, the ground was littered with manna. The bread of heaven all over the ground. He proved it when they were at Horeb and they were thirsty and God gave them water gushing from a rock. He proved it when in the beginning God. There was nothing and God spoke and the world was. Listen, God doesn't, God can do as much with nothing as he can with a little something. The one thing that God can't do when he does something out of nothing is give you the blessing for being the child of God that he's called you to be. The only thing God can't do, the person that needs the help, you think God's arm is shortened that he can't help them? The person that God instructed you to help, the person that God instructed you to hand your meal off, you think that God is so unpowerful, unsovereign that he can't help them without you? Oh, he can, and he will. You're the one that's going to miss the blessing. We're the one that's going to miss the blessing. God's looking to do something in us that he might do something through us so that God might bless us. God, help us. God's not just looking to give to you. God's looking to give through you so, so that we might be a, a vessel, a chosen vessel. I, 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 let, let me do a... Andrew, come here, brother. Let's stand right there a minute. Let me go see if there ain't no thieves in this church. I got something here I need to go get. See, God, God wants to bless you. God has so many things that he wants to give you. He has more than that.
Do we believe that God can do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think? Do we believe that if we trust him, just hold on to what you got. you believe that if we trust him, he can meet all of our needs? He, he tells us that if we pay our tithe and do things that, that he will open the windows of heaven. What Malachi chapter 3 says. And pour you out a blessing and there not be room enough to receive it. So God really, really wants to bless us. And he has ample supply. He has everything he needs. The problem is we're not willing to put down what he's already given us. You're going to have to hold that down a little bit if I'm going to put this up there. Go ahead. A little more. A little more. There. That's all you got left. Sometimes God may just have to take it away. What's the bad? You dropped it before I even got to the big boxes back here. All the good stuff that I really wanted to give you. See, God has all that we need to meet every need. But, but God, God has a different way. See, we want to be like the man. You know the man in Luke chapter 12? Jesus gave a parable. He said it was a man that his, that his crop gave plentifully. Plentifully. That's a tough word, especially my mouth's already a little dry. Plentifully. He, he, it yielded much. If y'all remember the story, remember what he, what he did? He said, I'm going to take all this, and I'm going to feed the poor, I'm going to help everybody, I'm, I'm going I'm to give to everybody out there, I'm going to build churches, I'm going to use it to do great. No, 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 I'm sorry. I got that mixed up with somebody that never was born. He said, here's what I'm going to do. God, you gave me so much that my barns ain't big enough to hold it. The bank ain't big enough to hold my account. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to tear down my small barns. And I'm going to build bigger barns. And I'm going to put all this stuff in these big barns. And then I'm going to take my ease. That means I got enough, I'm going to retire. I ain't working no more. I'm going to put it all in the barns. Here's what Jesus said in the parable. Thy fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. And then whose will all of these things be? Come here, brother. I'm sorry. You said Lexi on the front row. You know, you got to get the help. Come, come on. Here, 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 here's, here's, stand on the other side. See, what God wants you to do with your five loaves and your two small fishes is hand him one of them so that God can then turn around and bless him. And turn around and bless you. But then he wants you to bless. Lex, come on, you might well, you might well be part of the party. See, you're, give her that one on the top. He wants you to use that to bless somebody else. So that God might bless her. So that God might bless you. You can't outgive God. If you hand out everything you have, God still has an unlimited supply. 
So if you give that to help somebody else, then God helps them and God helps them and God helps them. But then he takes more and he pours it. Our problem is we don't want to share our five little loaves and our two little fishes because that's all we got. Thank you so much. Y'all can put those down. You know, people say, people have a goal to be a millionaire. Anybody have a goal to be a millionaire? The, the goal is to be a millionaire. You know the most miserable people that, some of the most miserable people that I know are the ones that actually achieved it. They became so focused on that $1 million bill that they put everything they had into it. They forsook friends and family and everything else. All that became their central focus is to make that million bucks. And it's the worst thing that ever happened. Because when you got one million, you got to have two. Because you don't want to lose one and then not still have one. When you get two, you got to have four. We become so centered on what we got to have that we become like the man there in Luke chapter 12. Now, here's where the problem lies with people like me. If you're all holy and righteous and fully sanctified, stretch out on a pew with social distance. The one in front of you is empty. You can, you can just stretch out and get your little nap. But I need to take a minute and talk to people who are sinners like me. I need to talk to some people who struggle being everything God wants you to be. Doing everything that God wants you to do. God, all I have is these five little biscuits and two little shad minnows. I ought to be using these for fish bait, not eating them. This, this is all I got. It's going to be just enough for me. It's not going to do me any good to give it to them. God, I barely have enough to take care of me and mine. I, I barely have enough to pay my bills this month. Surely, surely you don't expect me to pay my tithes first. Surely, surely you don't expect me to, to help that person on the side of the street that's holding up a sign. He's probably got more money in his pocket than I got. He's just too lazy to work. Surely that's not what you want me to do. Surely you don't want me to go to the church and give into the benevolence fund where they use it to help people who can't pay their bills, keep their lights on, keep their heat on in the cold and things like that. Surely, God, you don't want me to use this little bit to, to help the poor. I don't have enough to give them. That's where our problem lies. We're not giving it to them. We're giving it to him. When you give it to him, he can do what he wants with them. See, the, the person that I talk about sitting beside the road, it, it doesn't matter what their appearance is. Maybe they did put on just some dirty clothes to lean on your compassion. And I assure you, they're out there. There's lots of them now. There's lots of people that hold a sign, say homeless, broke, poor, need help. Well, I can't say not having pride is a bad thing, but they certainly have none. They don't want to work. They'll sit there and take your money. I, I know. I was in DeKalb County several years ago, and one come walking by. I was sitting there talking to the police officer. We don't talk about when I was talking to him. But the guy came by, and, and he says, that guy right there, I've arrested him with $12,000 cash in his pocket for loitering, taking up money at businesses. I know they're out there. That's not your problem. If God says help him, God will deal with him. That's not about him. This is about us. 
He may really be homeless. He may really be starving. He may really have a child around the corner that has nothing to eat. It, whatever's happening there, it honestly, it has nothing to do with them. It has everything to do with him and our relationship with him. So, so we're not giving the money or, or the food or whatever it is to them. We're, we're giving it to him. So, so here's our situation. This, this is all we have. This is our little sack lunch. This is all we got. And we know that God has told us to give it to him. Maybe it's your time. I don't have any time, man. Come on, you know that. Everybody's busy right now. I barely have time to keep up with me. I don't get stuff done. But what if God says, I need more of your time? Maybe it's your talent. Maybe God wants you playing an instrument. Maybe God wants you singing. I would say maybe God wants you in the choir, but we still don't have a choir back. So you, you get to cheat out on that one for a little bit. But it's coming. Maybe it really is money. I mean, what gets closer to the heart than the pocketbook, right? I mean, the fastest way to man's heart is right through the hind pocket. Maybe it really is food. Maybe it's something that God's given us that he wants to have. But whatever it is, whatever it is, it's all we have. There's not a savings account to bail us out. There's not a savings account to, to buy us out. There's not a bakery around the corner where we can go around there and buy more bread. We're in the wilderness. This is what I have, and this is what God said do with it. What am I going to do? God, surely, surely you don't expect me to give this to them. Now, for, for people like me, here's our way of doing it. God, why don't you just give me more, and then I'll be happy to help them. God, why don't you just give me enough that, that I can have, and then I can take the rest. And, and, and I, that, that's, that's not how God works. If God gives us more, then we wind up looking like the man in Luke chapter 12. God gave us more. Now all we want is bigger bank accounts, fatter checks, bigger barns. See, the way I see it here in this story, this lad has eight things. He has five little biscuits. Five barley loaves, that's what he has. The number five is the number of grace. All throughout God's word, five always represents grace. He has two small fish. The number two in the word of God represents one of two things. It is either union or it is division. So he has five as the number of grace, and he has two being union or division. But the eighth thing that he has is a choice. And the number eight is new beginnings. I wonder if we surrendered everything to God on our number eight choice of new beginnings. I wonder what God could do through us. I wonder what God could do with us. I wonder how many thousands God could feed. I wonder what kind of story, what kind of miracle God put in the Bible if we just made the choice to do what God says do. Maybe you've had the truckload of bread and the ship full of fish in your past, but now this is all you got left. you got your five loaves and your two fishes. But what do you do when God says, take the only sack that you have and give it away? See, it's not about the lunch. It's about the obedience. It's not about the contents. You, you can't see God do something great if you're not willing to put yourself in a position where God can. You, you can't see 
a new miracle standing on the same street corner. If you want to see God do something great, sometimes you just got to step out and do what doesn't make sense just because God said do it. What I really would like to do, and I can't with our little COVID social distance, I really would like to call and put everybody in the altar and, and do what Jesus did and just bless it and hand it to the disciples and, and then let the disciples hand it out and, and just tell you, take one and pass it down and watch it go through the church. But, but I, I really, Miss Margaret, you feel like standing up? You four. Oh, you five. Give me five of you. Y'all come on and give me a line right there. These five are just going to have to represent our 5,000. How about that? Andrew, you feel like 1,000 people right now? So, so, see, our deal is this is all I have. <laughs> this is all I have, God. How can I give it to you? How can anybody benefit from that? That's because we're looking at, looking at it through human eyes. We're looking at things through a human perspective. This is what I have in human eyes. But that's not the way God sees it. See, the way God sees it, God takes the lunch. I'm not going to hand it off to you because of touch points. So I'm just going to hand you one. Are you okay with that? See, what, what God says when you have your one little sack is he says, take one and pass it down. No, that's yours. Take one and pass it down. But I only have one. I only have one in human eyes. But when you hand it to God, it becomes take one and pass it down. Take one, pass it down. Take one, pass it down. Take one, pass it along. Take one, pass it along. See, if you're just willing to trust God with what you got, God can fix it. God can change it. God can mold it. God can make it. God can multiply it. God can divide it. God can do whatever God wants to do. But you've got to be willing to let go of the one you've got. Now, here's the problem. In this story, he has five loaves and two fishes. Some of you have five loaves and two fishes. Some of you have a meal that you need to share. Some of you's got an extra five bucks in your pocket. But some of you have a burden that you can't carry. It's not yours. The burden's his. Some of you are fighting a battle that the battle's already been won. You're fighting something that doesn't belong to you. Some of you are carrying a sickness that God's strong enough to heal. Some of you are trying to fix a broken marriage that you can't fix, but God's the one who can. You're looking to carry something around because you're not trusting God to hand it all. What are you carrying today that doesn't belong to you? The five loaves and the two fishes in the story, they didn't belong to the boy. That's just what they had. That's what God gave him. But God didn't give it to him to consume unless God said consume it. God gave it to him so that he might see God do something great. It doesn't have to be five loaves and two fishes. It might be your family trouble. It might be cancer. It might be a sickness. It might be your trial. It might be diabetes. 
It might be heart problems. Whatever you have is an opportunity for you to see God do something great. The question is, will you bring what you have? Thank you, guys. You can be seated. You get to keep your lunch. Wait till after church to eat it. Everybody else will get hungry since I didn't pass them all out. The text is simple. What are you carrying that doesn't belong to you? You know, it's crazy that we carry storms. We carry battles. We carry trials. Oh, I've done this one. I've done this one myself plenty of times. I'm sitting in a pew. Where did I see it? You sitting in my seat, brother. Scoot over you in my seat. That's where I see it. No, son. Preacher's up there preaching. The Lord's all on me. That ain't mine to carry. I'm fighting battles. Ain't supposed to be mine. That burden weighs more than my legs can carry. I've been beat down, tore down. I'm tired of carrying it, God. I have got up out of that pew. Walked right down here with my burden. Knelt down on this altar. And laid it down there and said, God, here it is. I need you to fix it. I don't have enough. I can't do it. Whatever it was, I prayed and then said, Amen. Picked my stuff up and carried it right on back and walked right out that door and carried it home and stayed bothered by the same burdens. It boils down to do we trust Him enough to give Him whatever we're carrying and leave it with Him. I'm going to ask you to stand if you would. Listen, I, I don't know. I just preach the messages. I know the Holy Spirit speaks to everybody different. Kind of like our man in Atlanta that we listened to. Everybody heard the same thing, but everybody heard something different. You can come on. You ain't got to wait on me. Anybody wants to come to the altar, you ain't got to wait on me. The altar is always open. You got something you need to bring you want to talk about. You, you got a burden you need to bring. You, maybe, maybe you need God to send you somebody with five loaves and two fishes. To help you out of where you're at. God is able to do exceeding abundantly above. Amen. I don't, know what, I don't know what a lot of people carry. I do know we carry stuff that we're not supposed to carry. A lot of burdens. A lot of troubles. A lot of trials. I'm not sure... Why is so hard to trust a God that's been so good? Does anybody have any doubt that everything you have, God gave it to you? Then if we don't doubt that God gave it to us, why is it so hard for us to let go of it as if God can't give us another one? Why, why, why do we feel the need to, to hoard up the boxes and carry all that we can and build bigger barns? What is it that makes us feel the need to have to hang on to all of it when God has clearly given us an opportunity for Him to do something great through us? Even as we talked about in your storms, God has never given you a trial that was designed to destroy you. Break you, maybe. Change you, certainly. But God will never send anything your way to destroy you. Everything that he sends is something to build us. 
something to strengthen us. I don't have time to get off and talk about some things that we've seen on the mission field. But I'm telling you, I saw things on the mission field that God did that I couldn't have seen it if I wasn't there. I saw God multiply. Arroz Composio. That was our five loaves and two fishes. I saw God multiply plates. I saw God feed people with food that we didn't have. I saw it. I don't have time to share the story. But I can tell you this. Sometimes you've got to put yourself in a position where you're not very comfortable in order for God to do something great through you. Amen? So whatever you have this morning, God, go ahead and sing. What, whatever you have, whatever the Lord is dealing with you, with your heart, may, maybe, maybe you need to help somebody. Maybe you just need the help. Whatever you have, just bring it to Jesus. I would hate the thought of walking out of that door and there being somebody this close to heaven and ending up in hell. I'd hate the thought of somebody being this close to salvation and walking out of that door and I didn't even give you a chance to know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. It ain't about church membership. It's not about being good, being bad. It's about being saved. Have you trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? If you died today, do you know that you know you'd go to heaven because of what Jesus Christ has done in you and what Jesus Christ has done through you? If you've never trusted Christ, your personal Lord and Savior, there is no other way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by him. None other name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved. Jesus Christ is the only way. You've either trusted him or you haven't. If you haven't this morning, you can change all that. You can say, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I'm asking you to come into my heart and forgive me of my sins and save my soul. I don't have a little magic poem. You don't get to say that with lip service and walk out with him as your fire insurance, but not Lord of your life. I'm asking you, are you willing to surrender your life to the Lord Jesus Christ? Lord, I want to be saved. I want to be a child of the King. You can do that. With your lips, there must be a confession of sin. Lord, I'm a sinner. But you must be willing to surrender your heart to Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. If you're willing to, from your heart, say, Lord, I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins and save my soul. Write my name in the Lamb's book of life. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new in Jesus Christ. I'm asking you to save my soul. I want to live for you starting today. If you're faithful to ask him, he's faithful and just to save your soul. You can walk out of here just as much a child of God as anybody in this place. But the decision is yours. God, thank you so much for being so good, God. God, I thank you for the five loaves and the two fishes. God, I thank you that when we got up this morning, we had breakfast. Lord, we had cars. We had a roof over our head, God. We had blessings exceeding abundantly above, God. You've opened the windows of heaven already and poured out blessings, God. We continue to hoard things. We continue not to listen. We continue to be disobedient, but you've continued to bless us. God, I ask you, Father, will you help us, God? Help us to be pleasing to you, God. I pray you'd help us to take our five loaves and our two fishes and be a blessing to somebody that people would see Christ in us. God, I pray for these that brought their little sack lunch down, God. I pray for these that brought their burdens, brought their brokenness, brought their, their sickness, God. I pray the ones that brought it to Jesus, will you take it and heal it this morning, Father. I pray that you'd move in their lives, God. God, thank you for being so good to us. We love you, Father. We thank you and we praise you in the precious, sweet, holy name of Jesus.
Amen.